0: version of the coronavirus in italy is weaker right did you read that yeah i read that no but nobody
1: believes on him (laughs) i'm here so thank you he's doing
2: pt and ot every day
1: wow okay does it
2: still take both of you to uh move him around yeah he's getting a little stronger in the legs but yeah we're both there
1: oh wow Well, why don't we go to prayer and then we can get started. Father, we, um, we pray today for, um, for our country, for the unrest that is here, um, for the, uh, the fact that we still are um, dealing with uh, the effects of uh, uh, racism from the past and, and from the present. We pray for our safety of our uh, first responders that are out uh, in the midst of uh, everything that they're involved with, uh, and uh, we just pray for their safety. We pray for the safety of the people that are uh, that are protesting. We pray that you would give them. Um, we pray that you give them safety, but we pray that especially you'd give them patience in the midst of all this. We pray for understanding on both sides. We pray for our. Um, our leadership in our um, government, um, both uh, our governors, our president, uh, our all of our elected officials, as they struggle with um, the effects of uh, the shutdown because of the of the virus, and then also because of uh, the mounting tensions as a result of of that, we pray that you would just give uh, um, a calming here in our. Or miss, pray for you. You would help us to be able to, that we would be a, a, a means of peace and a means of, uh, of help uh, instead of uh, causing further damage and further harm. We pray for um, uh, those that are, are in the healthcare uh, system and are trying to again continue to, to take care of the needs of those that are ill and those that are suffering from uh, COVID 19. We pray for their safety, and we pray for those that are that are ill that you would raise them up. And uh, we also pray today that you be with Matthew that you would continue to uh, help him, Father. We know that it doesn't seem like there's a lot of progress being made right now, so we just pray that you would uh, encourage Mike and and Michelle and and even Matthew, the rest of the family, uh, help uh, Matthew to um, understand what's happening. And uh, we pray you'd be with the workers as they. Uh, give him uh, therapy, pray that things would go well. And uh, we again pray that you would uh, raise him up, Father. We ask now that you bless us as our time of study. We pray you'd give us wisdom as we seek to follow you and that you would open our eyes to what you have for us today. And we ask this in your Son's name. Amen. 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 So, uh, we're gonna be looking at verses uh, 21, hopefully through the end of the chapter, but at least uh, starting in verse 21 and following. Uh, I thought I'd read the, at least the first uh, uh, few verses of that. And uh, before, I, I, before I did that, I got to thinking, um, suppose you had gotten a letter from a man you've never met, a man who is in prison, <clears throat> Who's been accused of being a troublemaker? Um, how would you respond when you got that letter? Would you listen to them? This is someone you'd never met.
2: Is a Nigerian prince?
1: A Nigerian prince, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking of Martin Luther King in uh, the Birmingham jail and the letters that oh. he wrote from there, and you know, um, that's the, the situation that that the. Uh, uh, Col- Colossian believers are faced with. Uh, they knew of Paul. They knew that he was instrumental in leading their pastor to, uh, to the saving knowledge of Christ. Uh, they knew that their pastor had gone to Rome to consult with Paul and had not yet returned, and they get a letter that's uh, been sent by Paul. Uh, but there have been a whole lot of false teachers in, in Colossae that have gone about trying to discredit Paul. And caused doubt in the people's minds, and I'm my sure that
2: Paul had been there and they knew him.
1: No, nope.
2: I didn't realize that he'd never been to their state.
1: No, he'd mm-hmm. never been there, mm-hmm. which is going to come into play in a little bit when we get uh, into this uh, a little further into these next few verses here. Uh, so you can imagine that if you know if I'm if if I've got my own agenda, you know I'm going to be asking you. You know why in the world would you listen to a guy who's a political prisoner? And, and you know there'd be some people that would probably go, you know maybe, maybe, maybe this is an issue. So uh, the question is, can you trust him? And so Paul is going to explain in these coming verses kind of what his his calling, what his ministry is. and then he's going to uh, further explain a little more as as he opens up. Uh, some passages here for us, starting in verse 21. So I'd like to do this. Let's read through just the first three verses. uh, I say the first three, but for me, verses 21 through 23, and we'll emphasize that, and then we'll finish up, hopefully, with the rest of the passage in just a little bit. But in verse 21 of Colossians chapter 1, it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. All right, let's take a look at this just a little bit. First of all, we talked last week about about reconciliation. And uh, in addition to that, Paul has added the term uh, alienation here. Uh, This idea of being alien, being divorced, being uh, separated, uh, being estranged, if you will from uh from God and from the nation uh in the nation of Israel as those that are followers of God. Um uh, they were once uh continuously and persistently out of harmony with God. And now God is saying we've brought you back into a, a relationship. Once they were enemies, they were actively hostile towards God. Uh, Romans 1 we've talked about this before Romans 1 talks about this and in verses 18 and following where it talks about how we were afar from God and how our what our response was to God and so Paul now is going to talk about our our reconciliation that uh, that Jesus died for us while we were without strength while we were without with when we didn't we're not even loved uh we were we were not loved Let me put this back. Let me re-say that. We did not love God, and still God loved us enough that he would send his son. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. That's pretty amazing. Uh, And, um, Giuseppe, you just sent me a photo. (laughs) On your WhatsApp. All right, so... This idea that we are, uh, the purpose of this reconciliation is for us to have personal holiness with God, to be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable is in one of the translations it says this. Uh, in in verses 22, it, it says in the NIV, it says, uh, he is reconciled through the death uh, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The idea there, uh, without blemish, and uh, without accusation, free from accusation, really comes down to the, the Old Testament concept of the, uh, the sacrificial system. What kind of, what kind of sacrifices did you had to offer God? Unblemished sheep. Yeah, unblemished.
0: Right.
1: It, whether, regardless of whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was a sheep or a goat or an ox or, or whatever it was, it had to be unblemished. It had to be uh, as near perfect as possible. In fact, you remember that that was one of the issues that God had with the nation uh, in uh, Malachi, where he says, uh, You've, you know, the commandment is don't give me your blind, your lame, your halt, and yet what have you done? You've done exactly that. You've given me at best, second best. I, I think I talked to you uh, about when I was in. In, uh, at Bob Jones, we, at, the end of, at the middle of our hall where a main staircase was uh, on the landings of each floor, there was a barrel, a big 55-gallon cardboard barrel in which we were to, to place, quote-unquote, gently used items uh, in there for use for the missionaries. You know what we did as college students, right? Anything that was that we could no longer wear, that was basically rags. That's what went into the barrel. We weren't giving God the best; we were giving God the castoffs, and that's kind of what Israel was doing. They were giving God the castoffs, and God says, "You know, I won't accept it. It's and, and if it's not good enough for the for your your governor, it's not good enough for the person who's uh the you know the head of your." Uh, the government, why in the world would you think you could give it to me? So uh, this this idea of holy is related to the idea of a saint. And we talked about that holy and, and being a saint means being set apart or being devoted fully to God. And then we talked about the sacrifices here, about the fact that this is a, exactly what they did at the tabernacle and at the temple. They offered sacrifices that were appropriate and we're considered as near perfect as possible. Um, you know, the problem is, so often we're so busy, concerned about how we look to others and how we look in our own sight versus how we look in God's sight. Are we what we need to be? Are we doing the things we need to be? Are we uh, living a life that is appropriate for God? Is God pleased with the way we live? Uh, the uh, in verse uh, 21, I'm going to be jumping around in these three verses for a bit. So uh, notice it says enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Um, he's talking about both the source and the effect of their disposition with with God. Um, enemies, you know, Romans 5:10 uh, says, you know, that for when when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through the death of His Son. And much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through, this, uh, through his life. Uh, James 4 says, you would, uh, f- verses, verse 4 says, you're an adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship of the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And so often, I think we have a tendency, myself, myself probably at the top of the list, I want to be friends with the world which means that I'm putting myself up as an enemy to God, even though I'm supposedly a part of his family. I'm still opposing him at times. Um, You know, I think the problem is that uh, uh, evil uh, reveals what our heart is like. What our actions are reveals what our minds are like, what our disposition is like. There's a scripture passage in Matthew 7:16. It says, by your fruit, you'll recognize him. So we're not called to judge. We are called to be fruit inspectors, right? Yep. So yeah. uh, that, you know, the Colossians owed their salvation uh, to the initiative that God took. Remember, God always is the one who starts things. We are the ones that respond to him. Um, notice it also says it was by his physical body in verse 22 and verse a that's that's so important when we're talking about some of the the teaching that they were getting there was that christ did not come physically christ came as a spiritual being neither descended into and onto the body of jesus or he was just an apparition that they could perhaps see but he was not truly there and when he died on the cross it wasn't really him that died and if he did it wasn't his physical body that died and yet god you know paul is saying no 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 no, no. it's a physical sacrifice this is the physical body of christ and the result of that is uh, he's pointing out the fact that that body is a physical sacrifice as well as a spiritual one. So reconciliation through death emphasizes the reality and the totality of the sacrifice. It was both physical and spiritual and mental. It was all encompassing a total sacrifice, Uh, physical body and death. Uh, reveal that there was physical suffering that christ went through it wasn't just spiritual it was also physical as well so flesh blood and death expressed the total nature of this sacrifice and we're talking not only death uh, physically but death spiritually as well now the purpose of reconciliation which we talked a little bit about last week uh was the fact that the goal of, of of um the goal that, that God has to present your Christ has to present your body holy in His sight. So we're talking about here. Paul is talking about both the completeness of the character and uh, how appropriate it is that for those that trust Christ, the the in, the the uh, importance is that um, we don't we don't recognize. That a lapse in our living life appropriately uh, is a danger to us, a danger to us spiritually. And then he talks about he uses terms in this passage that seem to indicate. um, uh, Let's see if I can pull it out here. If you continue in your faith, okay, uh, in verse twenty-two. Uh, he wants to present you blameless and free from accusation if you continue in your faith and establishing a firm not to move from the gospel the hope held of the gospel this is the gospel that you have heard has been proclaimed to every creature okay so um, we have this idea of um, of a, a purity and the question then comes up in verse 23 Is is Paul saying that um you could lose your salvation.
0: Yes. If you, if no. you continue.
1: <laughs> so,
0: Those are conditional words.
1: So the the issue that, that we we we're, we're struggling with then is we have to go back to the original language and we're not gonna we're not going to fully satisfy this because there are gonna be people on both sides of the divide and it's okay. We get to heaven we'll figure out exactly what paul was talking about here uh but this if you continue is uh um is part of a first class conditional sentence in greek and and some have said that it it applies a a, an element of doubt and uh, that might be but I, i again from my wheelhouse which is going to be different than some uh is that we're going to say that I think a better way of translating personally. And again, those that are on the Armenian side, we'll figure it out. we we'll get to heaven. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that it's, I, I think that the better translation is assuming that you continue. Um, and there are uh, at least three ways of looking at this. One um you could actually lose your salvation if you don't continue in the faith. That's a possibility. The other, a second one is, is that it refers to the blamelessness of the presentation of the believers in the day of Christ. So are you blameless up until Christ comes? Or three, the, the other option is that, um, uh, that Paul assumes that all believers will continue in the faith And that was an evidence that they were, in fact, genuine in their commitment; that they would continue in their faith. Now, there are positives and negatives on all sides, and I wish I could say that that they're all perfect. We can resolve them all. I'm not sure that we can, but I do know that God says that uh, that His goal is for us to be like Christ. His goal is for us to be perfected. And uh, I think that even if there is the possibility of losing your salvation, the fact that you are concerned about the possibility of losing it is an indicator that you haven't. Because if you lost your salvation, you wouldn't care, at least from my perspective. The fact that you are interested, the fact that you are concerned, the fact that you are worried about it would indicate to me that you are on the right path. Yeah, you're not perfect yet. But n- no one is on either on any side of the of the table. Is that good? Did I, did I dance well enough on the head of a pin? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I- if, Go ahead. Uh,
2: if you are worried about losing your faith, would that also suggest that you're uh, hopeful that you can regain it?
1: I would say so, yeah. Now again, it depends upon the the struggle that you have, uh, because the uh, those that are in the Armenian camp, um, there are two different uh, sides of that. There is a, p- a portion of that uh, of that group that says that you could, if you lose it, you're done. You don't, you you get maybe one time, maybe a second, but you don't get more than that. There is another part of the group that says, no, you can look. You can, you can lose it and gain it and lose it and gain it. As long as you continue to regain it, you're okay. I'm not sure how that works out. What I do know is that God draws you to yourself. God convicts you of sin. And as long as you are struggling, as long as it, it still bothers you, as long as your heart is still soft yeah. to the gospel, I say there's hope for you. How that plays out, I, I think it's a... I, I personally think that my Armenian brothers and my Reformed brothers are often saying the same thing, just using different words. I would, in, in, I would the, tend to to agree. I, I, I can't imagine him like sacrificing himself
2: for everything. And if you turn away from him, he wouldn't accept you with open arms to come back. You know, I mean, if you choose to walk yeah. away versus hopeful that you're staying on course. I think those are different
1: emotions in your development. Often Reformed uh, believers believe that it's possible for you to backslide. Well, yeah. My, right. uh, my thinking, and again, I could be totally wrong. Dan, you can speak to this, feel free to. Um, my, my thinking is that that backsliding is what perhaps the Armenians would say? That's when you've lost your salvation and then regained it back. I, I don't know.
0: <clears throat> Typically, in what in James four seventeen, to know to do good yet to do sin that is evil. So we believe we've. I'm sorry. There's fifteen hundred twenty one ifs in the Bible. So they're just conditional words mm-hmm. and. Longs long as we're working out our salvation, that's the important part. Um, the only thing that changes that is sin. And when we backslide or find ourselves off the path a little bit, all we have to do is come back. Mm-hmm. And those are because of all the conditional words that the Bible has. Um, you, you can keep coming back there's no sense unless you you know blasphemy the holy spirit that's a whole nother story but um backslidden is part of the walk sometimes depending on where you're at in your walk and um there is uh you as you continue to walk you're working out your salvation and
1: yeah i would i'm um, in total agreement with everything you said I have no and
0: problem. so the, the only thing that stops that is is blatant sin or you totally walk away from it and yeah. i've over the years once in a while you may know someone that has completely walked away and uh, for whatever reasons because of tragedy uh, circumstances yeah. Yeah. Um, and they may not even be a blatant sinner per se but they've walked away from the word and uh, that that's a tough one but yeah. typically most people are working it out in that are Armenian
1: are see I would say that 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 the, there's two possibilities one is that you've you, you you know if you've totally walked away that you perhaps have lost salvation on on my from my perspective I would say I'm not sure they were ever even saved but uh, here's, a, here's, what I, here's what I do know. It's above my pay grade to decide. And uh, uh, I'm going to leave that for someone who's a whole lot smarter than I am. And uh, I'm pretty sure that none of us are in that camp. I mean, I think some of you might be smarter than I am occasionally on maybe an issue or two. But I'm pretty sure that none of us are as smart as God. Amen. So I'm going to leave that up to him to decide uh, who is and who isn't and who gets into heaven. Um, I think the issue that we have is we all need to realize that we're all flawed and we all fail. And God is always gracious in allowing us to come back to him, which is First John 1, 9. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
0: I I, I think too, you you have everyone is at a different point of their walk
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or knowledge in the word. Mm -hmm. And the the one thing I was taught a long time ago is never judge another person for where he or she is at. Yeah. Because I don't know. I'm not God. Yeah. And um, once we've repented and come to the knowledge of the word and, and are born again. Um, he we're in his his we're part of his sheep, and some of us may look a little differently in our walk, but that's okay because we're all Mm -hmm. we're all different in in where we're headed in our DNA and everything, and um, so it we just you know it's important not to judge another person based on you know knowledge or lack of it.
1: Uh, so, it just... I, what I've always been amazed at is how uh, in our walk, there are things that God reveals to me at, at one time, they at one point in my life and my journey that he's not revealed to somebody else, but there are things he's revealed to that person that I have, has not been revealed to me. And someplace along the line, those paths cross again and, and, and you're going, Oh, is that what he was talking about? You know? <laughs> Oops. Uh, and so I think the goal is always, the goal is always to become like Christ. The goal, that's that's God's plan for us, is to be reformed into the image of the Son. But in the process of doing that, each of us are going to uh, experience things, perhaps at times in different orders. It doesn't mean yeah. that, that somebody is further ahead or further behind, maybe in one particular area they are. But the ultimate goal has always been the same for every one of us. And fortunately it is the plan for God is not for us to look like cookie cutter Christians when he's done with us. Cause there's some of you, I wouldn't want to look like, just like I'm sure there's a few of you that don't want to look like me. I can't imagine why, you know? So yeah, that you, I think you're absolutely on. I, I, I'm Dan, we're in lockstep on, on so much It's, it's to me. Every time I've had this conversation with uh, someone who is more Arminian than I am, and I'm kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy anyhow, um, I come away going, I think it's just the way we describe things, personally. But, you know, at the end of the day, we'll figure it out when we get to heaven. And we get to heaven and we're going, oh, he's here. Huh. And they're going (laughs) to be looking at us going, I can't believe you made it (laughs) either. So um, just keep striving to, to live a life that God is honoring to God. And as you do, I think God will, appro- will, will approve of you and will continue to work in your life. All right. So let's flee from that issue and go to the next one, which is what in the world is Paul saying that he says he procl- that the gospel has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven? Seriously? Is that true? Because if it uh, is, isn't it time for Christ to return? I'm sure. sorry?
2: Now, uh, my translation in that sentence doesn't read that way. It says the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. It doesn't say anything about creatures or humans or
1: anything. And, and again, you have a, a dynamic equivalence, which, okay. by the way, I believe is correct that translation is is a good way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not King James. I'm sorry? No, it's not King James. Nor is it the message. (laughs) Just saying. That was for Rick. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think the idea is um, is that the gospel has been proclaimed Is the same gospel that the gospel that Paul is proclaiming is the same gospel that's going to be proclaimed everywhere? It isn't going to change. It isn't like oh, it's one gospel for this group, but for this group over here, we're going to give them a different one. It's the same gospel, it's a universal gospel. Is he,
2: uh, is Paul hitting on the kind of the same general topic he was at the beginning of Romans where he said, "Ah, God's word has been written on everyone's heart? Uh, whether you've been preached to or not, you have some knowledge of what's right and wrong.
1: Well, you certainly got the general revelation, which is kind of what you're referring to. And then the specific revelation would be the actual gospel, which is the good news that Christ has made a way for us to have a, a, a closer relationship with God than we than we currently have, which is bringing us back into, a, into a, a, an appropriate relationship with God. So yeah, there. I think there's a, there's some a, a evidence of that. Perhaps sure. Yeah, you can look at it that way. I think wherever the gospel is preached, it's always this gospel. It's always this one that's been proclaimed. It's not another gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then the the final thing is that's kind of interesting is that he talks about here. Uh, <clears throat> he says that he is a servant of this, of the of this same universal gospel. And I find that really uh, helpful because, it, especially when you go back to the Greek, because there's a couple of different ways of looking at this. As mm. many of you know, there's a, there are, a, the Greek has a couple of ways of saying <coughs> things that are translated uh, servant. As an example, uh, the word that we get deacon from, "dekanos." Um, is uh uh is a, a term that's also at times translated minister and also translated um, um uh servant or slave but there's another one that's even more so and it, it's uh, uh do, dolos d o u l o s and that's a different perspective. And let me see if I can find my notes on this. And of course, I can't. Why can't I? Uh, here it is. Here it is. Let me just get there. Um, so it has the it has the idea of uh, uh, of a, a servant. You know, in the Old Testament, they say servant of the Lord and the servant of the lord has a sense of authority so that's what that word is in the in the greek that that paul has chosen not to use he does not have a sense of authority like i'm the servant of the lord you have to obey me it's more of i am i'm a servant of the lord and therefore i am here to serve you it's the same purpose it's the same way that paul or that i'm sorry that, that jesus describes himself that he comes to this world not to be served, but to himself serve. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, no, no, I'm not the, you know, I, I'm a, a servant. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to do the things that God has called me to do that are going to help lift you up. And And that's that's important to know. There's another thing that's kind of interesting. The same verse here in verse 23. Let's just take a look at this here. It says, uh, if you continue, again, we've talked about it, well, that definition of if, um, and uh, you, you're established and firm and not moved from the hope that held uh, held you in the gospel. Let's talk about that for a second. Because in Colossae, one of the reasons that Colossae ends up becoming a, a much more minor city, as it goes on, it starts off as a fairly major city hundreds of years before this. But Colossae is... is uh, located in a region that's known for its earthquakes and, and not having a firm foundation. And and so um, the idea here of a house that's set firmly on foundation that isn't going to be shaken is what Paul is really kind of talking about. Not moved away can mean not earthquake stricken. Um, if you're truly saved, you're going to be built on a solid foundation. And that's going to be Jesus Christ, and you will continue in the faith, and nothing will move you, nothing will shake you, nothing will change what you're doing. If you've heard the gospel and trusted that Jesus in Jesus Christ, then he has saved you. So basically, in other words, we're not saved by we're not saved by continuing in the faith, but if we continue in the faith, it proves we're saved. Does that make sense? Let me say that one more time. We are not saved by continuing in the faith, but if we continue in the faith, it proves that we are saved. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so it, it behooves us, if you will, like that word behooved. Um my King James showing through, uh, it behooves <laughs> us to um, to test our faith, to examine our hearts, to make sure that we are a child of God. I tip my hat, game <laughs> Which is, and, and this is what, again, I, I'm a middle of the road kind of guy. I don't know why, but I am. As I've studied scripture. So, Let's take a look. Are, are, we, are we kind of finished that? Are we good to go? This uh, translation
2: thing, it's interesting that the NLT does not have if in that sentence. Uh, I just flipped over to the NIV where I right, guess what you're reading? Yes. It has if you, you know, continuing uh-huh. your truth. The NLT just says you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. There's no conditional. It's just... Yeah.
1: And that's, the, and that's the struggle that you have with translations. You have a, a group of men that, that come together and say, we're going to translate something. And then the question is, what camp are they from? And how mixed is the camps that you've mixed into the translation? And because everyone ends up basically, at least the majority have to agree with the way that they're going with a particular translation. That's the struggle you have, especially with a dynamic equivalent, but you even have it in a a word-for-word translation. Mm -hmm. That's uh, why it's always a good idea to have a couple of translations you can read from to get a little different perspective. Get the message, for one. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, I have read that occasionally, not a lot, but uh, sometimes I really like the sound of it. It really strikes
1: me. Yeah, sometimes not, but... Now, I think I, I think I told you this years ago. Uh this was before I was really into the NIV. I I had been uh, exposed to the New American, but the NIV was relatively new uh and I had not spent a lot of time with it. And so I was and I was used to, I I'd done most of my uh Bible study early in my life in the uh, King James, and I was down at a concert in Toledo. At a large <coughs> church down there, and I was I was blown away by the by this narrator. Uh, it was a Christmas concert. It was just gorgeous, and it was so interesting that it was so modern in at the time modern in its 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 understanding. It kind of, in my opinion, it was paraphrasing the 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 Bible so well. I went up and asked him who had done the the narration, you know, where did that come from? He goes, "Oh, it came from the NIV." <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away. I said, oh, okay. You know, so, uh, maybe I should read that. Um, Check that one out. So, yeah, noticed, there uh, is...
2: Danny Cox reads out of the NLT most of the time.
1: A lot. <coughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. And All they quoted right.
2: the message. Uh, there was a service last winter where they... It wasn't mm-hmm. him reading. It was somebody else. They quoted out of the message.
1: You know, it's one of the things that I think is helpful if you're going to quote uh, scripture or read scripture. To let us know what what passage it's from or what translation it's from, it's helpful. Um, I used to often use when I was preaching. I would occasionally look at three or four translations, and when I found one that I thought really hit the nail on the head that I wanted to emphasize in that particular message, then I would use that particular passage in that particular translation. And so I might jump around between four or five translations that I would throw up on the on the PowerPoint presentation. But I would always name them what it was. You know, I'd always put you know like NIV or you know NLT or, you know, message or you know whatever so that it would give people a sense that they'd know where that was coming from if they wanted to check it out for themselves, they could.
2: All so right. Before you leave this verse, Val, I had one more question on uh, yeah. the last sentence in verse 23. Uh, first, yeah. Paul mm-hmm. talks about the good news has been preached all over the world. Yeah. Now, his concept of the world, I mean, he was a learned person. He must have known that the world was bigger than just the Mediterranean area, that there was vast stretches of people to the east and to the south and to the north because there were trade routes and stuff in those times and he's talking in past tense like it's already been preached everywhere i mean was he aware of missionaries that had already been to india china england down in africa etc
1: yeah i think he was uh first of all remember um if you remember uh, the book of acts You have a believer who goes back to what was then considered Ethiopia, which as we understand it today is more like the Sudan. Okay. Uh, But you know, he was a a black man who was the treasurer of, uh, of Ethiopia. And uh, so he becomes a believer and we believe that the, the book of the gospel was taken there. There were, it wasn't too long after it went to, uh, Egypt that it went further south, and you've got the kingdom of what was now we call Ethiopia became a, 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 a Christian nation outside of the Roman Empire. There were there were uh, places that were um, uh, at one point in time were uh, Christian nations uh, just to the east of the Roman Empire in uh, what would be now considered Asia. Um, uh, there were missionaries, uh, Thomas, as an example, the, the yeah. Apostle Thomas, Almost. went all the way to India. India, yeah. And there are ch- actually there are still churches in there that that, that were founded by him there in. I think they're on the western side of India along the coast mm-hmm. in a, one particular province. Um, now, we might not be in full agreement with their perspective. I don't know what all their, their theology is. But there are uh, there were missionaries that at one point uh, took the the gospel all the way to China uh, in the first and second century. So yeah, it, it went far, and there was there were. Now, um, after that, some of those believers you know got rolled up, and the nations got rolled up, and, and went more pagan or with a different religion. Uh, much like in the Mediterranean area, you had the issue with uh, the Muslims in the, was it the sixth or seventh seventh century, I think it was, 600s? I think is when they came uh, and rolled back Christianity, you know, in many areas. So, yeah, I think it went all over, and I think it continues to go all over.
2: Oh, yeah, today we understand that. I'm just curious of Paul's perspective and what... uh... way he writes it's like it's uh it was a done deal in his time that breached uh in in all these disparate regions of the world
1: well you know you you had mentioned uh england and again a lot of this is really hard for us to nail down because we don't always have really good records but we have traditions if you will and that there is a tradition that says that uh, joseph of arimathea (laughs) uh after the uh, first season started, he t- he removed himself and ended up in England. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not. The, um, the,
0: the uh, Catholic Church, believe it or not, and probably because I had an uncle that taught seminary and was a priest, and it was very helpful. He was very studied. They're, they have a lot of great information in the archives back in the first and second century that they talk about, whether you, you know, you'll believe it or not. It, it, it is amazing how much of the word went out, because when I first became a believer, I always just say, I mean, and what, what about that person in the middle of the jungle? in south america or in the amazon or you know how does he how is he accountable for the word of god if he's never heard it and yep um it it was funny that um before i changed my whole life and perspective uh, it was amazing and how many answers my uncle could answer um that were taught you know that um the actual catholic church had a good good understanding of it all, of the history, um, you know, obviously before they yeah. became uh, a whole different sort
1: <laughs> And, and again, later we,
0: in the Middle Ages.
1: <laughs> some of that is, again, uh, uh, you know, there's a, a Eusebius who is a uh, fourth century. Uh, he was uh, an early Christian historian. He's probably the, uh, he does for the church for the first uh, three 100 years uh, after the Book of Acts, he kind of records a lot of what at least they had come down, handed down through those time periods that he, he, he writes about. And again, like most historians of that time frame, sometimes they, they were a bit evangelistic in the way that they presented stuff. Um, sometimes it was, you know, today we hold a much more, we hold a different set of standards to historians than we did back in the day but you can read you can research him uh he was a contemporary of uh, uh in fact he was involved in the nicene council in 325 a.d um and he uh he actually was on the opposite side of what became uh orthodox christianity but he is considered a church father and and write, wrote a history of, of the church, and you could probably find a PDF of his writing someplace if you search the web. Um, had PDFs in 480? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how they did that. Again, they were a lot smarter than we are today. They also knew how to use cell phones back then. <laughs> I
2: don't know, it might be an HTML file, Rick, I don't remember. Oh, probably that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: A lot of that early stuff when I was in seminary, I read a lot of of the early works, and they were PDFs someplace or other. I probably have them recorded or or stored on some other old computer someplace. Uh, It was before they had, you know, the cloud storage. I was back in post-doctor (laughs) format. Yeah, I was, you know, it was before, you know, cloud storage because I was, you know, I, I'm an ancient. Um, all right, are we, are we good? We're not going to get very far. We're not going to finish this up. And, and that, uh, that's okay. Uh, we, we, I'm going to touch and start down this road, but I wanted to talk a little bit about next week. Uh, some of us are going to be up at Tom's. Uh, Tom, you say you've got a, a good connection up there. So, uh, do you think we can pull off uh, me doing a a a dig at your place uh, with those that are there and with the rest of the guys via Zoom? Maybe would that work? Yeah, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to. Okay, all right. So that's what that's the plan. We will continue next week. If you're not coming up with us to uh, to Tom's place, uh, then we'll just uh, we'll we'll still meet via Zoom. All right, at least we got that conquered. Um, I was going to just mention, as we get ready to, to uh, leave this passage, that God wants us to live a life that, he, that honors him. And he wants us to make sure that we live a life that's in accordance with him and, and the possibility and the, the need that we have to test ourselves on a regular basis. Are we following the word? Are we obedient? Are we good servants? You know, are we doing the things that God wants us to do? And, and as we do that, we know that we will stay close to Christ and close to the Father. And when we do that, God's honored. All right. Uh, I'm going to show you just, a, I'm, I'm going to just kind of get you all whatever, because I know you love to hear about chiasms. This next passage, verses twenty. Uh, 24 through 29 actually is a chiasm. In fact, it, there is another chiasm immediately following that in the first ch- first chapter or the first few verses of chapter two. But I, I wanted you just to to listen to this, and we'll start to unpack it a little bit, and we'll do a much better job next week of unpacking it, and then doing the application next week as well for this pat these two this set of verses here. This is, uh, in verse 24, it says, Now I rejoice in what, uh, in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become a servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. By the way, that's A, and verse 25 is B. Here's C, which is going to be the central core of what we're going to be looking at. The mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the key to what we're going to study over these next four or five verses. Then B of the chiasm, we proclaim him and admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. And then the A. Is to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which is so, power, which so powerfully works in me. Okay, that's the, the chiasm. The history is, and the key to this is the mystery of what God uh, had kept hidden until the New Testament, until the birth of the church. And that mystery is the mystery of the Gentiles, and the Jews being joined together in a single body in a single organism, whereas before they were separated God and 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 you had to go through a whole bunch of steps if you were going to become a Jew in order to get close to God. God takes down all of the barriers and says it was hidden from the ages and generations before, but now it's disclosed hey, here's what it is: the Gentiles are included and um I think about this a lot, especially with what's going on. The Jews uh, in, in, our, in our country and even around the world, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles did not get along. It was not cats and dogs. It was dog eat dog. It was, it was not a pretty sight. If you were a, a Jew, you thought that Gentiles were dogs. And uh, this was a hard pill to swallow. As a uh, as a Jew to accept Gentiles who were unclean and who did things that were unclean, as far as the Jews were concerned, as far as the the word taught in the in the Torah, and then to be told that that isn't nearly as important as it is the relationship you have with God and therefore the relationship you have with others. And I think that today America's struggle is not Jew and Gentile, but race-related, black and white. And uh, we're going to dig into some of the aspects of this and some of the perspectives of this uh, from, a, from a Jewish and Gentile perspective, hopefully next week, as we look at this a little closer and we look at this. But just remember this. God calls us to live a life of harmony with fellow believers of all nations, all tongues, all cultures. and it's going to be interesting when we get to heaven we're going to be going they here whoever there that there is whoever that person or group is um, we've talked about this uh, the revelation song uh, there was another one that was done we talked about a couple of weeks ago and I look at that and I go I listen to those all those different tongues singing the same song uh, and I'm I'm just in awe of that and it just says chills down my spine to realize that we can all worship the same god and how we worship him uh, might be a little different in fact i don't know did any of you, i posted a um uh, a video uh, on my facebook page uh, a week or so ago it was from iws my uh, alma mater one of my alma maters that uh a husband and a wife team put together a a choir from around the world, and they started off by reciting uh, part of the lord 's Prayer in various languages mm-hmm. and and then sang uh, the lord 's prayer, uh, an prayer and arranging the lord 's prayer and and you had different pictures all over the screen, just like we have here today on our zoom with them doing things. And one of the things that, that fascinated me was one of the men that was there, there was men and women all, all, from all over the world, but one of the men that was there was in his traditional garb, which would have been a, a Native American and was worshiping in a way that was so foreign to us, but it was so beautiful to see him worship God with hoops in the process of, of worshiping and, and singing the song. Um, so I say that as we close, God wants us to be ministers of his peace and to find reconciliation and uh, uh, with the brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think we, uh, when that happens, I think God's pleased. And when it doesn't, I'm not sure God's all that pleased with us.
2: You know, uh, Sunday's message, uh Andrews uh touched on this a little bit. He was talking about um, you know, all of our restrictions with the pandemic and stuff, and he said, Well, he says we don't all see eye to eye on what's being done, whether it's too much, too little. He says, But when you encounter somebody that you don't agree with, what do we do? And his answer was, Well, you just love them because that's what we do regardless yeah. of uh, what your views on an issue might be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And occasionally we have to be reminded of that, don't we? hmm At least I do.
2: If it was only occasionally. <laughs> yeah,
1: occasionally. Hopefully a little now less and the, less as time goes on.
2: This passage that you just read here, um, not to nitpick, but uh, maybe it's a translation thing again, He says uh, in verse 27, he says, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. Like this is the secret that's been hidden for generations that God (coughs) is distant or separated or only showing up once in a while. Now Christ lives in you, which is.
1: uh, There are a number of mysteries, one of them being the Gentiles being connected to the Jews. The other is that Christ that God now dwells within us and no longer in a a, a temple, temple mm. built with hands. Mm. Yeah. We're gonna talk about what mysteries are and, and see you, you you said secrets. Uh, they're you know in the many of the translations use the word mystery. And we'll talk about the difference of how that looks and how what that means and what it meant back in that time versus what we mean today. Today we think of it like a mystery, you know, like we're a novel what's the mystery that's going to be revealed? And there's a sense that that's true, but there's a little more involved in it, at least from a biblical perspective. So we'll get into that. Yeah. But the the mystery, one of the riches of the mystery is that God has been chosen to make known the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery or this secret, which is Christ lives in you. And, And again, many of the translations call this the hope of glory. Hope not meaning... I wishful thinking, but hope meaning we know for certain that this is what will happen. That ultimately, we, uh, we've become uh, connected to Christ. And uh, it's a connection that um, we need to um, spend some time developing, right? Okay, right. not for the rest of you, just for me. Okay, <laughs> good to know. All Thanks right. Well, thanks for for being here. Um, for putting up with all of this.